Hello and welcome to After Press, the podcast from Passenger Transport. My name is Robert Jack, editor of Passenger Transport, and I'm joined, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Andrew Garnett. Hello! As ever, we are socially distanced by around 400 miles. I am in Edinburgh and Andrew is in his undisclosed location somewhere in the southwest of England. (laughs) But the wonder of technology has brought us together. So Passenger Transport is back on its fortnightly schedule. And if you're a subscriber, your copy should have arrived. We're recording this on the Friday, uh, two days after we went to press. What have you done with yourself since we sent those pages to the printers in such a (laughs) hurry, Andrew? Well, um, as our listener um, will know, I like nothing better than a good supermarket. So I popped to Waitrose this morning and um, I got a pack of hot cross buns for 75 pence and they were reduced because it's hot cross bun season now, isn't it? You normally buy everything out of season, don't you? You normally wait until after <laughs> after Christmas to buy your crackers and after Easter to buy your Easter eggs. <laughs> don't reveal that. Don't reveal that. You know, members of my family might listen to this. Um, so my afternoon after we've done this is going to involve a pot of tea and a nice toasted hot cross bun with butter. Um, I was tempted to pop over the road to Lidl for a 99p um, Vianetta, but... Um, I decided I wasn't quite ready to throw caution to the wind just yet. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, should we should we crash on? Get this sorry saga on the way. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's talk transport. So um, this is our post press debrief. So regular listeners will know that we pick through this week's edition and draw attention to some areas of interest. This time, it's all about the government's national bus strategy, mm. the first ever one that there has yes. been. In fact, that's all we're going to talk about today. So let's uh, let's kick off with our lead story. Boris begins bus revolution. Mm. Bus operators in England will no longer design and provide local bus services in isolation in a major reform of the deregulated system that has existed outside London since the 1980s. The National Bus Strategy, which was published this week and is championed by Prime Minister Boris Johnson, declares our system is not working. Um, It sets a timetable for bus operators and local authorities to agree plans to achieve the substantial and untapped potential of buses using either enhanced partnerships or franchising. In the foreword to the strategy, Boris Johnson writes, I love buses and I've never quite understood why so few governments before mine have felt the same way. He adds, as we build back from the pandemic, better buses will be one of our major acts of levelling up. So I'm going to rattle through this quickly. There is a there's a, a lot to digest, but here are a few of the um, key reflections on the on the national bus strategy. Deregulation has not been dissolved, but it seems that, as we discussed last time, Leon Daniels was right to predict Ooh. that the swashbuckling days, the swashbuckling days of deregulated <laughs> 1980s, have gone. Bus operators must, in future, work closely with local transport authorities and mayoral combined authorities to design coordinated, easy to understand bus networks. Otherwise, they won't receive any of the £260 million a year bus service operators grant, the vital life support that is currently being provided by the COVID-19 bus services support grant, or any of the £3 billion that the government has committed to last year to help buses level up across England. The timetable for change is ambitious. By June this year, All local transport authorities are expected to commit to establishing enhanced partnerships, except those mayoral combined authorities, which have started the statutory process of bus franchising. 
By October this year, all local transport authorities are expected to publish a local bus, improve, bus service improvement plan detailing how they propose to use their powers to improve services. And by April 2022, so just a little over a year away, actual delivery of the enhanced bus partnerships covering every corner of England, unless, unless you're doing franchising. You have to be mindful of the limited resources that local transport authorities have after years of budget cuts, although assistance will be available in the form of 25 million in 2021-22 in to support partnership and franchising development, including a bus centre of excellence. Um, I'm going to try and make a few more points. I'm sorry about this, but there's a lot to get through. The strategy seeks to make buses across England more like London's, but that doesn't necessarily mean embracing route-by-route -route tendering regime that exists in the capital. The Liberty Bus franchise in Jersey is cited as an alternative model. The government Ooh. will support the use of franchising where it's in the best interests of passengers, but expects the majority of local transport authorities to choose enhanced partnerships. Local branding that reflects the community and not the operator should be adopted, though successful existing brands such as Harrogate's 36 should not be sacrificed. And to benefit from the available funding, local transport authorities will be expected to implement ambitious bus priority schemes. Statutory mm. traffic management guidance will be, meanwhile, updated to make promoting bus reliability an integral part of the highway authorities network management duty couple of Ooh. brief last points. The government will support the purchase of at least 4,000 new zero emission buses, more than a tenth of the fleet. And the government will also review whether it means right for local authorities uh, to be unable to set up new bus companies. So there's so much more to discuss than that. Ooh. That's just a few of the points. But what do you make of that, Andrew? I mean, this is this is a, a, a huge historic moment, I think, in, in the UK or bus industry in England anyway, and obviously having a, a wider influence, I think, elsewhere. Mm. Um, I think it's actually really very, very encouraging. Um, I know you're going to, we're going to touch on this in a bit, but um, do you remember Theresa May at Prime Minister's Questions laughing about buses when um, Jeremy Corbyn brought them up? In, in 20, 2018, uh, wasn't it? She just yeah. she, she looked baffled, really, I think. And, yes. it, and there was a lot of laughter on the benches behind her yeah. at, at the idea of buses being in the limelight yeah, yeah. Being, being brought up then and i think gosh we're a long long way away from that point right now aren't we um uh, i think it's we, yeah. important to um to emphasize that this fundamentally um changes the context of the industry it's no longer about you know kind of do minimum um in most cases it's going to be about building partnerships and perversely perhaps uh are we now in a situation where covid has actually helped do that a little bit um, we've heard from operators who actually think their own working relationships with local authorities and other stakeholders has actually um, been strengthened by the pandemic, haven't we? So I think maybe that could play a part in it. But um, And then uh, just go back to the whole do minimum thing, perhaps, perhaps being a bit unfair, but the strategy says uh, it's no good to weekly throw your hands up, stick your fingers in your ears and shout, uh, that's too difficult. Um, you've got to integrate, you've got to sort out your ticket, ticketing, you've got to accept contactless. I mean, you should really be doing that by now, lads, um, shouldn't you? And uh, then there's publicity at bus stops, network maps, it's great stuff. Um, I've always found it absurd there are operators who don't print timetables or sort out the bus steps, stops or have network ma maps that show other forms of transport. And I can think of at least one 
um, nameless operator who um, wiped off all the local railway stations from their map. I mean, doesn't look good, that, does it? No. Um, but they're not all bad by any means. I think it's important to recognise there are challenges. Um, current competition rules um, have placed big restrictions on um, joint ticketing. So, I mean, obviously that's something they're going to have to look at. Um, but for operators who are only just getting to grips with contactless now, uh, well, they've got to step up. Um, they're going to have to switch to you know multi-operator capping, aren't they? Um, I think there's one big challenge, and that's um, those bus lanes, bus priority measures that have been promised. Um, the government expects bus lanes to be rolled out on roads with frequent services and congestion as long as there's physical space for them. Um, and it also suggests that um, non-residential parking on those streets um, is an inefficient use of road space. I mean, whoa, this is... That's not going to be a hot potato, is it? You know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so the the local politics from that are going to be interesting. Not to mention that whole you know bunny ears war on the motorist um, uh, bandwagon. And as you just said, um, we're talking about asking rather um, stretched transport transport departments in county halls across England um, being tasked with this pretty ambitious uh, timetable. Um, I wonder if that's going to be a tall order. But yes. What yeah. do you think? Well, <laughs> I, I think it might be worth us just reminding ourselves what an enhanced partnership actually is. Mm. Uh, yes. An, an, an enhanced partnership is what the government envisages most of the country is going to do. I know that great. Uh, you, you wrote a story this time, didn't you? Greater Manchester mm. it appears to be sort of yes. poised to go yeah. down the franchising route. Um, mm. Talking about it right now, in fact, I believe. Yeah. But an enhanced partnership is a statutory arrangement under the 2017 Bus Services Act, which can specify, for example, timetables and multi-operator ticketing and allows local transport authority to take over the role of registering bus services from the traffic mm. commissioner. So it's quite um, quite a big change from what, what's happened yes. before. This is a really close, collaborative form of, 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 of specifying and providing bus services. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a long way away from 1986, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And, and the strategy itself, in terms of making the case for investing in bus services, says that we're not acting just because buses are the easiest, cheapest and quickest way of improving transport, but because the bus is key to two of our wider priorities, net zero and levelling up. So in short, buses are now considered too important to be left to the whims of the free market. Back in the 1980s, when deregulation was introduced, the primary aim was really to ease the burden on taxpayers. Today, the bus is regarded Ooh. as key to two of the government's major objectives. And, it, and, and the feeling is that it's worth punting some money in and some extra money to achieve Ooh. those objectives. But if you put the money in, there, you'll, there will inevitably be strings attached. Do you, do you think that's a fair <laughs> reading of what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you've touched on this already, but should we reflect on what, what might be considered to have been wrong? With, with the set mm. system as it is. Um, back in 2014, you will remember, do you remember we had a, an anonymous bus manager wrote an article for us titled Dere <laughs> Deregulation is Dying, Accept It. Uh, well, I, I, I dug it out today and reread it. Um, it, was, it was written in the wake of George Osborne's pledge to give Greater Manchester bus franchising powers. Uh, he, he made that pledge in 2014, so kind of in the, mm. the, 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 the early running for the 2015 election campaign. Seems like a long, long time ago, doesn't it? It appears to have been vindicated, that article, by the National Bus Strategy, because the, the, the author's observations included 
Bus companies started to compare themselves with high street retailers and developed impressive marketing commercial skills, but somehow lost sight of the fact that their products are essential to people's lives rather than a disposable consumer good. At, at the heart of public transport, there's always been that, is this a, is this a retailer or a utility? And yes, I yeah. think we're sort of veering more towards it being a utility. It's considered as part of the essential plumbing of society. Mm. And perhaps, yeah. you know, perhaps we, it's going to be viewed more in that manner, I think, moving forward. Uh, as, as our anonymous author uh, went on to say, the problem with the current system is that it's essentially adversarial. Bus companies can do what they want regardless of the impact on others, which is inevitably resented by those who have to deal with the fallout. Operators have no reason to respect the needs of the public sector and local authorities have no reason to respect the business objectives of the operators. The challenge is now to develop a model that reflects the fact that local authorities need their private sector colleagues and vice versa. Both sides will need to stop thinking they are right and the other is wrong mm. and develop common objectives. And then the conclusion is, you know, the opportunity exists to create a world-class structure for bus service provision. And I think that's where we're at, isn't it? How are we going to make this enhanced partnership mm. work? And this is the challenge that people across the country are going to be, there's going to be some very interesting discussions and hopefully some, some fantastic outcomes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, on the face of it, it seems, um, I, th I think it's a fairly solid piece of work. So, yeah. Uh, there was an interesting point in the strategy where they there was an unnamed busy seaside town as and it, and it was pulled out as an example of networks not being coordinated uh, where there were two sizable rival bus networks that don't acknowledge each other's existence now you you were quick, <laughs> I hope you don't mind me saying you were quick to identify where that place was because <laughs> I used to live there and I used to work for them many many years ago before um I, I jumped over to uh, start writing about transport, but yes, it, it's Bournemouth, isn't it? <laughs> it's Bournemouth, yeah. yeah and now, now Bournemouth, you know, not not to do down the companies that, that operate no, there. They are well-regarded operators. Uh, mm. Go Ahead Groups, Go South Coast, and the yep. formerly of RATP, formerly municipal as well, but now independent yellow buses. Mm. But the strategy points out that these operators publish separate city maps showing only their own services giving potential users, including visitors, the impression that some areas of the city are completely unserved. The strategy also points out that the operators use the same route numbers for entirely different routes. They operate alongside each other on the busiest routes, and there can be overcapacity at certain times of the day. There is a multi-operator ticket, but it's more expensive and hard to find out about. So this is the type of thing, if anybody's confused about what the government is trying to eradicate, this is what they, you know, they would like to have a, a more whole network collaborative easy to understand approach more mm. more like london mm. uh, you, you can't really blame go south coast and yellow buses for the way they've previously operated that was the system that yeah. they were they were operating under but that's yeah absolutely that's what's yeah. now going to change indeed yeah yeah both do a good job both have played by the rules yeah absolutely but um yeah i think it's going to change though isn't it Yes, yeah. Uh, 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 it was interesting to see how much resistance that there is potentially to the demise of a system that has, has existed since the mid-1980s. The strategy received a unanimous uh, welcome mm. from bus operators who've always defended this system. Arriva even came out hiding themselves to uh, issue, <laughs> issue a statement. Well, we, don't, we don't hear a lot oh. from them, as we've mentioned before, but they, they, no. they also... Oh. Uh, you know, welcome. Poor Reva. 
remember them in some ways they're the fifth beetle aren't they <laughs> <laughs> or that bloke in the calls that nobody's heard of <laughs> they are curiously quiet these days aren't they mm. but uh, they welcoming the strategy britain's biggest bus operator stagecoach came closest to defending the system a system that the government says has, has failed it said that there had been a dramatic improvement in service delivery since deregulation in the mid-80s. However, the potential of buses has remained unfulfilled due to a failure to seriously tackle car use. Representing bus mm-hmm. operators, Graham Vidler, chief executive of CPT, said today's strategy is a huge opportunity for a step change in bus use. But he also warned that the distraction of debates over regulatory models, he uh, warned against that debate, uh, which he said deliver nothing for passengers. And in his column in Passenger Transport, Jonathan Bray observed, it's striking to see how few friends bus deregulation has these days that nobody seems to have turned up to its funeral this week to mourn its passing and to defend Nicholas Ridley's original vision of a free and competitive market for bus services. Nobody really is suggesting that we should do something different to what we're doing. There is a widespread Mm. acceptance of a change that that I should imagine, you know, it, it... Ten years ago, you would have never envisaged that this could or would happen. No. Uh, No. It does go to show how far things have moved on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's completely moved on, hasn't it? You've had some contact with bus operators this week. Are you hearing sort of any murmurings of discontent over this, or what's the general sort of reaction? Well, no, I think think it would be generally summarised as um, a lot of people have said to us that, um, you know, come on, read the room, guys. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I don't, you know, I think it's counterproductive to say, oh, no, it's, um, you know, I think the world has changed a little bit. And that might be hard for some, you know, people within the industry to cope with, but the world has changed. You you know, as as that person said to me, you know, read the room, things are changing. Um, And COVID has only, you know, increased the pace of that, hasn't it, a bit? Yes, it's it's not good enough, is it, to sort of say, leave us alone and let us get on with our thing anymore, because that that, that thing, buses, is is now seen as very important mm. in delivering on two huge objectives. Essential key workers and all that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, kept the country moving. So sh- should we touch on a point that you already alluded to, that w- whether COVID could actually help the government implement mm. this, this national bus strategy? It, it perhaps feels like a strange thing to say, but there are a couple of reasons why we think this could be the case. First of all, There is now an unprecedented spirit of collaboration between bus operators and local authorities. They're already working more closely together than ever, inspired by the response to COVID. And if that is exactly what we're going to need if we're going to cover every corner of England with enhanced partnerships almost within 12 months. Mm. And then secondly, Mm. COVID funding, which I think currently runs at around £27 million a week, offers the government considerable leverage over the sector, it will focus minds during negotiations because if you don't reach an agreement, you're not getting that yep. money. And that's yeah. not something anybody wants to consider thinking about. Um, but uh, moving on from that, do we? does the government have the money to put into buses to match the scale of its ambition? <laughs> well, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> and, and here again in his column, Jonathan Bray sums sums this point up quite quite neatly the national bus strategy he says is not short on ambition it wants more services serving more places for more of the time it wants to turn up and go on busy routes it wants cheaper and simpler fares it wants high spec green buses it wants extensive bus priority everywhere it wants what we want we couldn't have asked for more 
But all of this will not come cheap when the pre-pandemic base case was that subsidy was well below what was needed to stem decline. Well, that is fascinating, isn't it? Point to, to mm. it's going to the government has obviously pledged three billion, but mm. how much is it going to take to, to get the bus patronage up to where it was? And if you want it to play that bigger role, if you really do want to achieve those objectives, and you do want, what are you willing to put into it? Jonathan carries on. We know that we have the COVID bus services support grant for now, and we know that we have the Prime Minister's three billion pounds. But beyond that, we don't know too much, including what the quantum of overall funding will be for bus, how it will be distributed, or what the total price tag would be for all the goodies that the government wants. (laughs) However, there's a positive note to this. He adds, (laughs) on the plus side, with Boris Johnson right behind a policy which has pledged to transform bus services, however much the Treasury sucks its teeth about the price tag, it will be difficult for them to undermine the prime minister by cutting the bus industry off at the knees. So yeah, having absolutely yeah, having that that sort of support from the very very top could really help the, the bus industry. In, yeah, I think in this way. I think well, that's it. It's it's num- number ten are, are pushing this, aren't they? It's what number ten wants that number ten gets. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and and another point on this is this this is of course all about England. This is about national bus strategy mm. for England. Uh, but what influence could it have on Scotland and Wales, who will be you know have their own initiatives, mm. own plans, own dynamic? But we'll we'll be watching, I'm sure, with interest. Uh, I, yeah, I spoke to one Scottish bus industry source this week who told me the writing is on the wall up here. The SNP are going to be. Uh, aren't going to be to the right of the Tories and what with rail nationalisation and of course what what, what that yeah. source is referring to is uh, the Scottish government's decision to nationalise ScotRail you know that's, they're taking ScotRail back in house they, they no doubt will potentially want a bigger say over buses so they there may be a similar model or approach in Scotland at some stage and remember we've got uh, elections for Holyrood yeah. uh, coming up in May uh, so, mm. and, and Wales likewise. I wonder whether it could have a, a wider influence. Well, of course, Wales has already uh, nationalised the rail service there, haven't they? Early this year. So yes, um, it's 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 all very similar, isn't it? Yes, you know. Yes, there could, there, there's going to be a big implications from such a policy. Yeah. Well, should we stray onto the politics of this without you know boring people too oh, much with our own then. political? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I you know. It's in, easy for us to just look at this with our public transport hat on, isn't it, really? But you, you, I'm interested to explore the motivations of why mm. why you, you would, you know, the Prime Minister would, he put this buses right at the heart of his domestic agenda. If, if you think back to the speech, and we're going to play a clip from it later on, actually, that he delivered to the, um, uh, to an audience at the Manchester uh, Science and Industry Museum. That was July 2019, and it was his first domestic speech. Uh, he put buses right at the heart of it. He dec- he calls himself mm. a bus nut. You know, why is he doing it? Mm. Why? 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 Uh, I mean, I think think we know why. I I think I'm sus- I suspect that his experience as London Mayor showed him, you know, the mm. importance of improving connectivity and what you can achieve and how you can change people's lives. I I think he perhaps mm. does see the potential for it to drive economic growth and opportunity i think that he probably sees it as a good way to show people that he's in touch with everyday folk i'm thinking back to uh, the people on his own benches perhaps showing how out of touch they were when they roared it with laughter at 
Prime Minister's questions yeah. about this. Yes. Uh, and, and I guess you yes. can make a big impact relatively cheaply, relatively quickly. Yes, absolutely. That, that could help him at the ballot box. And, you know, you, you certainly mm. with buses, you can achieve something within those relatively short electoral time frames. What, what mm. do you think? What do you think yeah. his motivations are? Well, no, I agree. I think it's all that. I think the experience of London Mayor sort of taught him what um, improving the bus network can do. And it's, I think it's important to also note that um, he writes about having been London Mayor, writes about how um, buses were improved, and actually acknowledges Ken Livingston yes, yes. Um, for playing a big part in that as well. So he, you know, this is quite, quite groundbreaking stuff, isn't it, for a, a senior politician to admit? Yes, but, you're, you're quite yeah, right. He, I, yeah, he 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 sort of criticizes governments of all hues, obviously including his own, mm, for yes. not having. You know, putting buses in in his own words at the back of the queue, and like you say, there's yeah. a there's a there's a nod to his predecessor for yeah. having yeah. begun a revolution in buses in London. If if he could achieve that kind of London effect all over the country, I think people will start to think, oh, we've got a government that's actually managed to do something that makes a positive difference to my life. And I do wonder whether people in mm. Westminster, um, actually, some people even who work in transport, don't actually fully appreciate quite actually how important this is to people you know who have uh, watching their budgets trying to get to work trying to get home dependent on using the bus wondering whether it's going to mm. turn up or take them where they want to go i think this is this could make a huge difference to people i wonder whether it's actually managed to spot something that could be a real winner for him but shall, shall we play the the quote actually for now this is lifted from uh, the question and answer session that followed Boris Johnson's speech in Manchester. Now, when he launched the national bus strategy last week, uh, there, there was no speech. We live in COVID times or I wasn't aware of any speech. Uh, but this sort of sums up his views in terms of of, of where he comes from on buses or it sort of gives him a, a nod on what is where his enthusiasm comes from. So here it is. That's why I place so much emphasis on buses. I really think they can be transformational. And uh, I think uh, it was Peter Hendy, uh, my, 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 my former colleague at uh, Transport for London, uh, who used to say there's almost no transport problem that can't be so solved by a single-decker bus. Uh, and uh, it, it may sound banal, but it's, it's, it's true. There are fantastic things you can do by improving the bus work. So, so there you go. That's the words of the Prime Minister. In, and it may sound banal, but it's true. Buses can really do fantastic things. And a nod there as mm. well to uh, Peter Hendy, his long-time colleague, mm. uh, as, uh, who was uh, Transport Commissioner at Transport for London and is now, of course, the chairman of Network Rail and is also currently conducting um, the Union Connectivity Review mm. as well, isn't he? And, and advising on um, transport aspects of um, transport aspects of um covid and that sort of thing isn't he so yeah so uh, and perhaps perhaps we should thank him as well for his uh, influence that he may have had on boris johnson in terms of getting buses up the agenda so yeah yeah absolutely gotta pay credit where it's due credit where it's due this one's got to run and run isn't it uh we're, we're going to mm. be following this very closely as this rather ambitious mm. timetable uh, uh, takes place <laughs> and and, and starts to try and see the results of what what bus operators and their local transport authority partners come up with. But for now, mm. we've come to the end of our podcast. Mm. Yes. So before I go, Andrew, I always ask you what your plans are for the weekend. Oh, 
There's so many options, aren't there? Well, uh, this weekend is a pivotal moment for all Midsummer Murders fans, which I, I'm sure you are, Robert, aren't you? No. As I understand, um, series 537 premieres <laughs> on ITV1 this Sunday evening. So I'll be uh, I'll be taking the doily off the uh, the television cabinet, opening the cabinet, switching on. <laughs> Uh, and whatever happens in the episode, I'm sure it'll be extremely realistic. You know, cocaine in the chutney, or someone staked out with croquet hoops and pelted to death by fine wines fired from a replica Roman catapult. Um, that sort of thing. You may laugh, but they were all actual um, previous plot lines. So I look forward <laughs> really to am. the new series of Midsummer Murders that's on ITV1 on Sunday. Um, we'll have a little debrief probably in the next podcast all about what happened there. Well, I know nothing about uh, like Midsummer Murders, but is that set in your part of the world? Is it? Is it? No, no, it's in it's in the county of Midsummershire, which not only includes uh, a large number of uh, luxury businesses owned by sole trader entrepreneurs, who but also an incredible body count as well. Okay, so uh, and you, you, <laughs> I, I hope that your uh, your English country village doesn't have a similar body count, does it? No, 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 definitely not. Very no, good. No. Well, all I was hoping is that the weather here will be as good as it was yesterday when I actually took my son out to the park and had an ice cream that was that warm. So oh dear. after after having kept... been freezing cold for months, it was glorious, absolutely fantastic. Hope you kept two metres apart at all times. Uh, actually, <laughs> it was quite busy, but socially distanced. So everybody Ooh, had the same idea yes. after the first bit of proper sunshine that, that we'd had. But uh mm. There we go. So um, one last thing, as ever, we want to say a big thank you to all our loyal subscribers. You're the people who make thank all you. this possible. And we thank you for that. If you don't subscribe, you are missing out. Just visit passengertransport.co.uk for details. And just between us, you can save 25% off all subscriptions by using the promo code. Discount 25. Discount 25 at the online checkout. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pastrans and join our LinkedIn group, Passenger Transport. And you can follow Andrew on Twitter too at Andrew <laughs> Garnet78. Yes, join me, join the fun. It really is. Actually, I, uh, I have been, I had logged in occasionally um, over the past couple of weeks and um, it's not too bad. I do have it all locked down now. I do have, you know, Certain words and phrases don't appear. I've got my location still set to the Falkland Islands. So it's actually quite pleasant at the minute. It really is. Nobody's commenting and on the contents of your bookcase. No, 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 no new comments on my interior <laughs> decor or on my bookcase. No, it's, it's all good. Very good. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. we've reached Terminus. Everyone should alight here. We look forward to joining you all again in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.